everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rebecca and Rebecca. My name is Rebecca Yager and my partner in crime is Rebecca Reed. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, how are you? Hey, we're doing great. We're excited today to talk about books again. Don't we love this? Yes. <laughs> it's great. All right. Today we are talking. <laughs> You're ready to get out of it. I am. Today, we're discussing a book called Reaching Into Silence by Linda Samaritan. It's the first book in the World Without Sound series. And let me tell you a little bit about it, and uh, then we'll get started with it. Um, Labeled as a rebella baby back in 1964-65, near the start of the Vietnam War, 12-year-old Debbie's sister Krista is born blind in one eye with a hole in her heart. Although she survives risky open-heart surgery, months pass and she doesn't babble or crawl like normal babies do. Doctors decide Krista is cognitively challenged and advise her parents to put her into an institution. Well, not on Debbie's watch. She's sure Krista is deaf, but no one will believe a 12-year-old kid. So along with the medical drama, Debbie is dealing with problems at school and friends that move away, and she refuses to give in to self-pity and soldiers on as Krista's champion. But Debbie's optimism falters when her father's next orders send him to the war in Vietnam. She wonders if she can hang on for her mother and for her sister and prepare for life without dad. So let's talk more about Reaching Into Silence by Linda Samaritan. So what are your overall impressions, Rebecca? Well, I think, you know, it, this is a middle grade book. And I think that this is a really good book um, for families that have a, a child who has some sort of, um, whether they be deaf, blind, you know, any kind of, um, excuse me, medical a disability. Issue, mm-hmm. disability of some sort um, because it really does a good job of um, making those things um, not negative you know they're very positively looked at and mm-hmm. the whole idea of family coming together and um, of championing, you know, the cause for a person who is too young to do that for themselves, of not giving up, of thinking that there is hope, you know, keeping that uh, ideal of hope in in the forefront. This is a good book for that. And she does a really good job of um, showing that, you know, as a sibling of someone like this, you have a you have a role that you can play and you're important in their life and um it doesn't have to be a down side to it right it could be um an up and i like that about this book yeah even though this book does take place in the in the mid 60s um so it's part historical um it is it is a middle grade book so this is a little bit different genre for us to read um it is about a military family which I was raised in a military family in the 60s and 70s, so could totally relate to those details, which were I thought were very accurate um, throughout the book. But even though it's a historical book and you may not um, like the historical or want something more contemporary, I think what you said, the overall themes of the book, the family coming together, and, and even the, if there's a child 
that has a disability or something like that, it is not the end of the world. There is there is so much to be done and so much hope to have and the way the families can can rally around. And so I think that's universal no matter what the time period is. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, the idea of um, losing friends, having to move, <laughs> that is also universal. I mean, I work in a school and I see that all the time. It might not even be for military cause, it's yeah. for work or whatever. And kids have to move. And yes, it is easier to stay in touch nowadays, but it's still a long distance relationship. And back then, obviously, it wasn't even that because it was so expensive to to call long distance. And there was, you know, limits on that. And, and especially with, you know, Debbie's family having this child who needed so much care, money was tight, they couldn't spend extra on, you know, any of those kinds of things. And so, um, yet they managed to um, visit family they managed to you know give them experiences she did have some really wonderful experiences with friends and i thought that all of that was really good and just the view of military life you know what it's like to be a military kid is it's still that way today oh and like i said it does translate into other things as well so i think those are all very worthwhile reasons um to pick this book up and maybe read it as a family or as part of a a group um, to get that kind of the information out of it. That's, that's really there and can be used even today. Even oh, very, very much today. Um, this book is written from the first person point of view of Debbie of the, of the 12 year old sister, who is the oldest of the four kids and, and Krista, the little sister um, who was born deaf being the youngest and even the, her brothers. I mean, <laughs> they were, they were such fun characters on that. But written, again, Debbie's point of view, um, and, and I think you said this well before we started recording, that this is like a fictionalized memoir. So you're in the viewpoint of Debbie, you're you're experiencing everything she is as, you know, a member of a military family, as a child with a father who eventually is going to get sent to Vietnam, of a mother who's trying to keep everything together, especially with a a sick child who has to undergo this major surgery and, and meanwhile, keep, you know, the other two boys in line in the family. And it's also about community because the military families, the, the neighbors across the street helped a lot mm-hmm. with, you know, why Krista was in the hospital, the baby, then, you know, you're as the other kids got farmed off to their friends. And it was that way on, on military basis. There was that sense of, of community because y'all were all there together at least for that time frame Mm. yeah somebody got transferred right and this book um we just follow the first is it two years is krista two and she somewhere in there she she's it's only a couple of it's like a couple of years or so Mm. maybe it's a little more than that but i can't remember exactly um, but, you know, and in that time frame, you know, the medical discoveries, of course, but this is in the 60s. So things today have changed. Um, but I relate to the fear that Debbie had when Krista had to have the, the surgery mm-hmm. um, because I had open heart surgery as well. But I was seven when I had mine. And so I remember being in the hospital and I remember other little babies having the surgery. And it was terrifying. I mean, my parents were terrified and I was seven. So I can't imagine what, I I mean, they told me later, you know, how, how awful it was for these parents waiting in the waiting room for these little babies that were two and three days old 
having this surgery and not knowing whether they were going to survive it or not. So I related to that section as well, you know, and the fear that they all had, you know, when this was going on, but it was just interesting to listen to how, you know, these medical professionals just wanted to write off this child as if it was, she was nothing. Mm -hmm. And Debbie would not hear of that. And neither of the parents really weren't buying into it. They were buying into a little more, but not like completely, but Debbie was just the staunch supporter, you know, of Krista and Debbie was certain that she was not mentally challenged, which was what they kept insisting. So it was really neat to watch how Debbie, as a 12-year-old, tried to impress upon these people that, you know, hey, you're wrong. This is not the problem. You know, there's a different thing. So it was. I liked watching that play out, too. Well, De Debbie's a spunky kid. I wish I had been that spunky at, at 12 years old. And, and she is fighting for her sister and, and takes the the role of the eldest child in the family quite seriously. And and she was all excited to have a little sister. So she was going to be Krista's champion um, mm -hmm. no matter what on this. Um, yeah, the book does a good job. Again, we've talked about military life. And it does a good job establishing that and, and a good job of, yeah, back in the 60s, you know, if there's anything wrong with your kids, you put them in an institution. And that's just something unheard of today. And in a sense that because the military provides the medical care, you know, they couldn't exactly take Krista to the top hospital in New York City or whatever. They definitely couldn't afford that, not on the military pay and not on the. So they were really you know, stuck with who they had at whatever base they were stationed at at the time um, in general. Um, as we've mentioned, the story is a middle grade novel. It is written a little bit differently too. It's not just chapter by chapter. It's a little more episodic or anecdotal, or it's, it's, it's like little slices of life as Krista comes yeah. into the family and yes. not necessarily completely fluid like a novel would be. I don't know how to explain it without yeah. sounding because, like it is a novel. <laughs> yeah, because I think because the main story is really Krista, but yet she's too young to really be, you can't be in her head. She's too young for that. And so you get the sister's viewpoint. Well, there's a lot of things distracting the sister that she's got all these, she's preteen, yeah. you know, and then all these new moves and all this stuff that's pressing on her. So you just kind of get her, it's almost like a stream of consciousness type of story mm -hmm. where you just, you're whatever she's going through at the time, that's kind of what you get. And, and so, yeah, it's not your typical um, plotted novel where you have all these different beats, right? It's a little different from that, but the story is still there okay. underlying, you know, but it's just not, yeah, it's not going to be exactly what you, it's not like a Nancy Drew or, you know, some of those little, little stories, it's not like that. It's different from that. Yeah. It's written in a different way, but it makes it interesting to read. And mm -hmm. again, it is written for, for a younger audience. Um, and so they can keep up with the little snippets of story or, or Debbie's stream of consciousness as she's dealing with, you know, like I said, friends moving away, them moving to a new place, bullies at school, all the typical stuff. She's she mm -hmm. is dealing with the normal preteen stuff along with, hey, you know, my my little sister is is, you know, there's not a cognitive problem here. It's it's deafness. And how does she make her parents listen to that? Um I mentioned this is 
book one of a, a three book series. The series is called World Without Sound, relating to the to the deafness, I think. And and the book is a satisfying conclusion, but it's definitely somewhat of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um that that to really make you want to read the next book and and see what happens the story does continue in the next books yes and they're all there's all three are published now so you don't have to wait (sighs) so they're all out you can just go pick them all up so no that that's all fun i i think this was a well done book again to be prepared that it is more memoir style, even though it's a fictional book, it is more episodic than chapter by chapter plotted out from beginning to end, but you are caught up in this family and Debbie's family and in their story and how, you know, it's a military family caring for their kids and, mm-hmm. and watching, you know, Debbie grow up here. Um, she's facing all these preteen things. So it's, it'll definitely keep your interest and definitely, um, I think you want to keep reading the next two books in the series too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we give this, you know, high ratings here, just different knowing it's a different story, <laughs> different mm-hmm. than a, a, a typical novel. So, yes, yeah, but I, I enjoy Again, as someone who was raised in the military and things like that, uh, I so related to the, <laughs> the time period and, and uh, you know, the friends coming and going and, and it was done so well. You could tell, um, I guess, Linda had lived a life similar growing up that way. Yes. Well, we will look forward to um, talking to her about that. I think uh, she and I could probably talk all day long about this kind of stuff, but Uh, we'll talk about all I think all three books together but I think you need to start with reaching into silence the author again is Linda Samaritan S-A-M-M-A-R-I-T-A-N since that's a long name Samaritan and again reaching into silence and it's a book worth reading and it's a book um I don't know for young and old I don't think you have to be a, a middle grader to enjoy this story yeah, I think everybody can find something in it that they would really enjoy, that they would like. They relate. Hey, it's a story of family, and we've all got mm-hmm. that. And it's always the importance of, of how families work together, you know, through their struggles and, and grow up. So I like that. So if you want a good family story, a good middle grade story written in a little bit different style, then, yeah, I think this one is for you. So um Next month, Linda will be joining us, and we look forward to talking to her about this. And then uh, our next book after that, we will be talking in November and December with Lisa Jordan and a romance. We're just going to go to a nice old-fashioned sweet romance, Redeeming the Cowboy, uh, to end our year on. So we hope you will join us in the next several months as we close out 2023. But join us in October as we talk to Linda Samaritan about reaching into silence. All right. I guess we'll see y'all next time. Yep. Bye.